want you to turn to Romans chapter 12, but uh, Pastor Brent and I, we were on a ministry assignment last week. Uh, we preached for Pastor Robert and Taylor Madu's one-year anniversary at their church. One-year anniversary on Easter Sunday. One year. They had almost 4,000 people. That's it, in church services. God is blessing them. They're in downtown, uh, downtown Dallas, I'm telling you, reaching folks. Just amazing what God is doing. How many thank God his spirit is moving across our nation? Amen. It's moving. And uh, boy, they worked me hard. I had to preach three times in a row. Three times. I hope I was three times the blessing because I tell you, they worked me hard. Amen. But it was honor. It was a great pleasure to do it. Amen. Well, we're going to close the One Another series with Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5 in just a moment. And I love the one another's because it's not about being number one, we're number one, let's be number one. It's about the another that Jesus sent you for, saved you for. We talked about, Pastor Kerry started this with love one another, and we talked about learning how to motivate one another, then praying for one another, then serving one another, live in harmony with one another, Bear one another's burdens. Last Sunday, forgive one another. But how many know you can never do any of those one another's if you are not with each other? None of that stuff happens if you don't intentionally belong to each other and are with each other. We live in a culture of isolation. And my biggest concern is you can never do that stuff if you're not with each other, intentionally with each other. So today, we're going to deal with the last one, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, many parts, each part has a what? You got your special function, every part of the body. Every part, even the belly button, gathers lint. It's got, a, it's got its place. <laughs> so it is with Christ's body. You are a part of this body. We are many parts of one body. Because of that, watch this, and let's read these last few lines out, last few words out together, and we all belong to each other. Pastor Jeremiah kept using the word family, family. I'm gonna to talk to you about really being family. So I want you to look at somebody that you don't know. They might be behind you, they might be beside you, I don't, in front of you, and I want you to look at them and say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but we're related. <laughs> Go tell them that. Just say, I don't know if you know this, but we're related. <laughs> you can be seated. You can be seated. Uh, <laughs> and now that you told them that, they said, hey, could I borrow 10 bucks? Could I borrow 10 bucks? <laughs> yeah, I know how that works. How many of you, let me ask you, how many have family reunions? How many go to, how many, how many you go, go to family reunions? How many avoid family reunions? So they, a lot of people do them every year. Thank God, at least they give you a year to recover, right? But uh, 
You know, there, you, some of you go to the family reunions, you're thinking, somebody needs to cut this limb off the tree really bad right now. But when you go to family reunions, in fact, the Reifkogel family, you know, we were first to this nation. We immigrated to this country and uh, came across, uh, went through Ellis Island on a boat. You know, after being on a boat for two weeks, all my mom had was, she had seven kids, six kids, uh, and, uh, and uh, there were seven, uh, six of them and two suitcases, and all my mom and dad knew were yes and no when they came to this nation. That's it, yes and no, that was it. We didn't turn out too bad. Thank God for America and the blessings and the favor that is on it, everybody. I'm telling you, only in America can you do these kind of things and succeed like this. What a, what, how fortunate we are. But we had our first family reunion, the Reifkogel first family reunion in 2018. And we're going to have another one this year. Pray for us. We're a small tribe. We're a small tribe. And we're having, mom's going to be 93, and so we're going to have, we're going to do it in Garden City, Kansas. That's where I was raised, Garden City, Kansas. Garden City, Kansas, where the deer and the antelope play, and we're all going to get together. And our tribe's pretty small because, you know, we were the first to this country. We didn't have aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas. I never knew any of them, and we just didn't have any of that. So we just kind of starting our own thing. And some of you, though, you got to, you got to, I mean, you, you don't have a gene pool, you have a gene ocean. I mean, you've got all these people. And some of you go to these family reunions, and how many don't even know some of the people that are there? Just be honest, you don't know who they are. But you know that you're related to them. And it's kind of frightening. But you don't even know them. And even though you are blood-related, most of these people, you don't know most of them, you know that you're only close to the family to whom you have intimate relationship and are living daily with. Those are the real people you know. That, that, that's a, it's, it's a big gene pool, it's a big pond, it's a big ocean, but you're only close to those that you are spending time with in intimate relationship. That really is the family. And you get together, some of you, you know, like we're finally four years, we're doing it again, because we need a lot of healing time after the last. No, I'm kidding. Some of you go every year. So you go every year. And you meet with them at this big, this big family at a family once a year. But you really only do life together with your immediate family that you daily grow with. And there's a spiritual application to this. We're all coming together, and I love the celebration in here because it's important, and the Word tells us to not forsake the assembling ourselves together. It tells us that we need to gather like this continually. It does. But every Sunday morning is family reunion for us. You come here, and you are family because we all have the same Father. We all have the same Father. Therefore, we all have the same DNA, the spiritual DNA. And, and we all have the same blood type. We're all Jesus positive, amen? I mean, and it's a big reunion, but some of you over there, way up there, the gentleman sitting way up there, you don't know the guy sitting over here third row from the back, but you know he's your brother and you know she's your sister because you've got the same father, you've got the same spiritual DNA, you've got all that same thing in you. But Jesus wants you to go deeper than just the family reunion that you go to every year. He wants you to go deeper than the family reunion that we have right here on Sundays. What Jesus really says is that what we do with family reunions, you really intimately know the people that you spend life with every day. 
What Jesus really wants us to get and the word wants us to get is God really wants you in a family unit to grow properly beyond just the family reunion of Sunday mornings. If you're really gonna grow and you really wanna get about serious about loving one another, motivating one another, serving one another, praying for one another, forgiving one another, harmony with one another, all those things, then you have to be with one another like your intimate families on a daily basis. You've gotta be connected. Can someone say amen to that? So there's something that we do to intentionally create what the Bible tells us as believers we ought to have, and that's called small groups. But really, what they are, are family units. They are family. So it's so important in the Word, and it's so important to us that we thought, we need to create a time when people can actually really do that. We always have small groups, but we really want to focus on it this summer, especially through the summer months. Going family units is a great time to think about being part of that smaller family union. So we've been having the Thrive services on Wednesday and those run for nine months and during the summer months we have a different strategy. The strategy is to intentionally create the opportunity for you to not just come to family reunion but to say I really wanna grow in a family with people that I can know and can know me. So on Wednesdays in June and July, we're going to open the campus and we're going to begin to create small groups that you can grow in the Lord, laugh together, have memories together, get to know the body of Christ, and find yourself in that daily family or that weekly family that you can connect with people even throughout the week. But on Wednesdays, we're going to have small groups here. And if you'll just go to your app, how many, how many have downloaded the app? Let me just ask that. Oh my goodness, y'all are just amazing. This church has got it. Almost 90 and you still got it. Come on, amen. But I want you to go to your app real quick. Just go flip over there. And uh, if you go there, you'll see small groups on there. I want you to just click on that. And you don't have to fill it out right now, but I want you to open it up because it shows you what's gonna happen during the summer months of June and July here on Wednesday nights. We'll have sermon-based, like where you can talk about with a group about what was taught like on Sunday. And then, or some people want to do a book of James, we're going to have one. Some of you have questions on the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean in the scripture? What does it mean? What does it mean, the prayer language of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? How does it work daily in my life? There's stuff for men. Some of you guys want to get with guys. There's men's groups. But we're going to be offering that on Wednesday evenings. There'll be childcare available where you can grow in a family unit. Now, how many of you know Sundays are very important? It's very important. We get that. But there's got to be a place where we grow together. Now, if you've got more questions, you can go back to the booth, the small group booth in the lobby after service, and there'll be someone to answer your question. There'll be a representative back there. But I'm really excited about going just beyond the reunion to people intentionally getting in families. Because church is not a place where we go. We say, this morning we say, are you going to church this morning? I thank God you all said yes. But church is not a place that you go. Church is a family that you belong. You belong there. And when I look at the New Testament church, and they're growing 3,000 in one day, 5,000 in one day, under the most heavy persecution that we are not experiencing in America, not to that degree, I promise you, they were under such heavy persecution, martyrdom was happening to them, and yet this church was exploding with successful growth, not just numerically, but more importantly, individually in the body of Christ. And what made them so successful and mature? 
it was because they realized, like Paul said, you are a body and every part needs to be connected to that part because you belong to each other. They learned to take on life and do life and to take it on. Not just do life, but to take on life where they were family. They gathered from even the temple into the smallest of groups and stayed connected. So what does that mean? So we always use the word belong. You know, people now, even corporate world marketing schemes, say you belong here with our bank. Until you're broke, then you don't belong here. In the family of God, we bring you when you're broken because it's where you belong. In a family. But what does that mean? Because I think sometimes some of us live on the fringe and then some of us start becoming faithful, but then some of us really want foundation and we want to grow. We really want to grow personally and help others grow. We know we're truly connected and that means that I may be an eye, so I'm going to have to put up with the toe. And with the toe comes toe jam, so i got to put up with the stink. Sorry to get gross, but there's a lot of things that come with your body that you don't like. Can I say it again? There's a lot of things that come with your body that you're grateful for the parts, but some of those parts produce stuff that are not real pleasant but you don't destroy your body because of it. You understand that part of the body. Where did I get that? Because what happens is, is when stink starts happening in the body, I watch people bolt, but they never learn to grow. They get upset with somebody, and they bolt, but they never grow. So we have the most immature believers that jump from church to church, ministry to ministry. They jump from relationship to relationship because they don't understand. You want the body, but there's stuff that comes with your body, stink you got to put up with. So you still got to hang out with the stink. Oh my. You know, I just, sometimes I, I want to be prophetic and then there's sometimes, it, I, just, I wish I'd just stop because you say things like that. <laughs> you have to say. But what does it mean to belong? What does it mean then? If we're really going to do this, what does it mean? If we really say we're Jesus followers, this is what he wanted, what does that mean? To belong means community. It really means community. That means there's communion. When you look at community, there's communion. That means there's something that we're interchanging that keeps us connected. Now, I want you to look at this. Community literally means that we are truly family. How many of you have stink that happens in your family? Two of you. Great. <laughs> How many of y'all, we all know better than this? Absolutely. But you don't abandon your family. But people do it in the body of Christ all the time. In the early church, they didn't have each other. See, sometimes when you don't have each other, you got to stick around. I remember, you know, when I was Pentecostal when Pentecostal wasn't cool. There were people thought you were a heretic, you're out of your mind. Now people started reading sixth grade English in their Bible, and they started discovering, hey, you know, the power of that Holy Spirit stuff is really real. But I was Pentecostal when Pentecostal wasn't cool, and even believers wouldn't hang out with you. Don't go to that church weird over there but in this body of Christ they had nobody else 
Now we've created so many divisions of the body of Christ, we never ever learn how to hang out with each other and deal with our stuff and our junk and our frustrations and our hurts. We just go hop to another place and never learn to grow. But belonging means I stick with my family even when they're stink. Look at the, let me look at the early church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Here's how they did it. I hear, let's see what they did. If they were so successful, what did they do? What kept them bound together even when the body does produce stink? What kept them bound together? Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, all and all. Everybody say all. So that means that everybody had this same idea. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all. As anyone might have need. Day by day. Everybody say day by day. So this just wasn't a Sunday function. This was a day by day where they were checking in on each other. How are you holding up? How's the marriage going? I know you've been dealing with this temptation. Hey, I know you're offended at this person. But day by day they were checking to see their progress. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. One mind, the mind of Christ. And breaking bread from house to house. Don't you love, don't you love these early church people? They love to eat. I love these people. <laughs> breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Now, Jesus must be doing something pretty powerful in your life when you go sell your property that's on the lakefront or you sell your new quad you just purchased or the fifth wheel that you and your family and you go sell that and you, Holy Spirit starts dealing with you and said, hey, I'm gonna liquidate this asset. I'm gonna lay it at the pastor's feet and say, anybody in our church that's got a Chrysler need, we just want you to go take care of it. And the Lord spoke to us to do this. Well, this was not communism they had. This was not a political agenda. This was not forced by the government. See, this was something where the Spirit of God is working on a believer and they voluntarily start saying, Jesus, all of it is yours. I just feel like being generous. It was generosity. It was not communism. It, was not a public, it wasn't a political agenda because they were already being heavily taxed. Listen, they were heavily taxed by Rome. Rome was wiping them out financially. So they could have said, hey, we've already given at the office. Hey, I pay, I pay my taxes to go take care of those kids. They didn't have that kind of language. It was Jesus was getting so a hold of them. They were getting so touched by Jesus that a kingdom culture started overriding the culture of their day. And it became so attractive to non-believers and even the unbelieving world that they saw this generosity oozing out of God's people. That they would literally sell their things and say, I want to touch somebody's felt need because Jesus is doing it. And as a result, people started connecting to Jesus and they're growing so fast and their small groups are growing so fast because care, the kingdom culture, got inside of them. Because when you're in family, when you belong, it's family, it's community, and community is family. See, this is the reason why being a servant evangelism hero is so big to us. I remember when Brenda and I first came here, it was something that God dealt with us about. First of all, is when you're with a server at a restaurant, stop being a jerk. Just be nice. 
yeah, but they didn't get my, they messed up more than it. Well, maybe they just got divorce papers served to them that day. And here comes a believer saying, hey, when we pray, how can we pray for you? And then when you do that, you can't just throw a Dutch buck on the table. <laughs> I know some of you Dutch buck people. I've, I don't, they're not, I'm not their pastor. Uh-uh, no, I don't know those people. Don't throw that Dutch buck down there. At least give them 20%, at least, at a minimum. Pray for him. That's the, reason why we brought, that's the reason why we started handing out bottles of water. We started going into the public schools. I remember there's some individuals, well, we pay our taxes. We don't need to do anything with our school. No, no, no. It's just when Jesus does something, it's like, okay, what do you want me to do with it, Lord? Amen. You steward your money, and you seek first the kingdom, and then he blesses your family too in the process. He's not going to abandon you. You think he won't be generous with you? You're his kid. That's the reason why we want you to be certain evangelism heroes. My desire is that every single person that calls Grand Rapids First Third Church home will one day be a servant evangelism hero. Every one of you. Because people say, well, we just don't have the money. I don't have the resources. Like the other guy, I saw his car. He drove in a Mercedes, so he ought to be able to do it. And let him t- no, no. That's, the reason why we, that's the reason why we as a church made the investment to bring uh, CityServe to the state of Michigan and helping other churches to help their people to start being generous. And we even... God even gave us the ability to provide the things for believers to be generous. So you're always looking on there and you're thinking about somebody. You're thinking about somebody in the break room. You're a supervisor at that restaurant and you you just think of that one person that needed this one thing. You know their kids are in need and they don't have the money for the school supplies and you're looking on that that app and looking for the ways to bless that person and just say, I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. That was got so, so attractive was their generosity to people around them. So I want you to be looking soon because there's going to be coming on the app. You're going to see, uh, there's going to be a video train you how to become, how to become a hero on the app. It shows you how to sign up on the app. So how many of you know, friends, God wants us to make the family bigger and we can do that just by being generous with each other and with people that are in need. Because to belong means your community and community means your family. So let me tell you what else community means. Community doesn't just mean your family. Community means that you're fortified. If I don't hang out with you, I'm going to be weak in my walk with God. I need you. I need my small group of elders around me. I need them around me praying. I need the, I need the, I need them in my life. I need them. Because I'm fortified. Let me put it this way. Reader's Digest had this article. It came out several years ago, but it was really bizarre. It was, it was an article called, What Good is a Tree? And what they discovered in forests, that there was something that when trees, when trees uh, grow, their roots actually start touching each other and touching other trees. But when the roots touch each other, there is, there is a substance released. It is a fungus that is released from that root to the other root. And it goes and it reaches all kinds. It links all the roots of all these different species of trees. And this fungus starts hitting each root. And what actually happens is, is that out of this whole forest, one tree may have access to water, another tree might have access to sunlight, another tree might have access to nutrients, and the third tree might be, and they're all connected together. So that means that what happens is, all the trees get to share all the nutrients, all the sunshine, 
all of that begins to be connected because of this fungus that connects all the roots. And that's why when one tree's lacking sunshine because of what it's getting from another tree in this fungus, it's released into that root. Now I can tell you something, this is so true to the body of Christ. The reason why some believers can't stand is because they're not letting their spiritual roots touch each other and the nutrients that we're getting, because you may be stronger than me in an area of faith. You may be stronger than me in an area where I just feel like I can't stand. And you're over there saying, let me take some of the nutrients I received from God because he helped me overcome. Let me tell you what I did and let me show you how God can help you overcome. If you're offended and angry at somebody in the church, I guarantee you, you'll find somebody here that got upset with somebody and said, let me tell you what God did in my life and what the Holy Spirit showed me. The problem is, friends, is we all have the same root and we need to remember who that root is. All those nutrients, all that sunshine, all that water comes from one person and it's Jesus Christ. That's why he said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Come on, how many believe we need to start branching out and intentionally touching each other? Why? Because when you really start putting your life into the life of other guys or other ladies or in a small group or a sermon base or in the youth group, when you start actually doing that, the nutrients they have are coming to you when you're suffering and have lack of nutrition. This is why so many believers fail. It's not because they don't know Jesus. It's because Jesus intended for your roots to touch, to make each other strong. Oh, how are we doing today, everybody? Amen? So to belong means community, family, touching, fortified, growing. Here's the next thing. You ready? To belong means maturity. It means you grow up. Look at the first century church again. Let's look at the first century church. How did they grow up? Verse 42. They were continually. You remember the other word we said, day by day? Day by day? Continually. Together, day by day, continually. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's code language for let's go to Denny's and have a stack of pancakes. <laughs> to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to praying, and praying for one another. See, when you come into the building, you join the family reunion and you hear biblical truths. This is important, what you're doing right now, you're hearing. Those of you online, you're hearing. This is so important for you to hear. This is what they, they went to the temple. They, but then they broke it down into something smaller. When, then they got involved in something smaller. When you get involved in small groups, you don't just hear biblical truth, you get to see it in operation. You don't get to see it, you hear it, but you don't get to see it in operation until you watch day by day and continually. That's when the rubber, if you will, hits the road. This is so important what we're doing, but God wants you to see it working. So let me give you kind of the difference. Here's the difference between the benefits of a worship service versus the benefit of being in a family unit. Let's call it a small group. Here's, here's the difference. In the worship service, you have communication. But when you get in the small group, you have connection. Because my brother over here can't connect with the brother over here. But in small group, I find a place to connect with others. My roots start touching. In, in this one, how many have been inspired already this morning by the worship already? Just been inspired. I'm telling you. I feel like I've been drinking from a fire hose this morning. 
But how many know that when you're in a worship service, you receive information? But in the small group, you get application because you're with each other continuing daily. Well, do you remember what we learned in that sermon-based deal? That when we take this and this and then we don't, then application starts happening. Application can't happen in here. Information comes to you, but the application actually happens when you're doing life together with a family. In here, you get inspiration. You get inspiration. You get inspired. But see, I don't know everything about your life because I'm not in your life every day and you don't know everybody's in this life. But when you get in a small group, guess what happens? You don't just get inspiration, you get cultivation. We know somebody brings the nutrients, the water. You're lacking some sunshine of praise, so we're going to bring the sunshine. You start bringing the water. You start bringing the nutrients. And then you also pull out the weeds. You help them recognize the weed. You find something that's draining them as a believer that's keeping them from growing. And you help cultivate. You help weed. You help fertilize. How many know in the small group is where cultivation happens? Both of these have such benefits. And I'm going to tell you, you can have a small group anywhere. You say, well, are we just going to do Wednesday? Yeah, we're going to do Wednesday night just to make it intentional for you to be able to come. So start looking at that. And you can start signing up. And we start getting you in a small group. But you can do it. You can do a small group anywhere, everybody. Did you know that? In fact, you can do it at a gym, you can do it at home, you can do it at restaurants, you can do it at school, you can do a small group anywhere. Teenagers, you can do a small group anywhere. In fact, we started something, I don't want you to see this, because so many of you are new here, it's called the You and Two Kit, and you can host a group. You say, well, I, I'm real scared about telling people to come a group. That's not what that's for. This is for you and that one friend you have that's your buddy. That one girlfriend that it's at school and you're trying to find out, how can, I, how can I affect her life? That one person in the break room you're always having the coffee with, that brother, my brothers, you're having that coffee, a cup of coffee with all the time. And you say, hey, I got something. How about next time we do break, you bring you and two. You and two. It's, it's just like Panera. Pick two. And you can add more people to it. And here's what, they're available out of the small group in the lobby, in the small group. You can go grab one. They're free. And let me tell you what you get. Let me tell you the free gift you get first. Coffee cup. It says small groups, big difference. Look at that. Do we, how many of these cups do we have? Do we have more cups? We got more cups. This one only has one in it. We're a nonprofit organization. Want to give us a buck? We'll give you one. Amen. So here's what you do. You have a. You say I don't. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, we're going to help you. Here's your. Here's your host guide. There's a little book for you, just on the questions asked. Your host, your friend. You, it tells you what to do. So you say, oh, 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 it's the path is here. And then you got. You give them a book. It's a participants guide. And what you get to watch is you take this little thing right here. You'll find it. I guess it's like a little coaster. But it says grfirst.org uh, forward slash you and two. You go to that, and there are like these six, 10 minute, six or 10 minute videos. There's like four of them. And they watch them, and then you get to discuss them. So you just pop it right there on your phone. You each can watch. You can watch before you get to the break room. Say, hey, check that out. We'll talk about it when we get there. Then you take the little booklet. Oh, there's a booklet here. Maybe you hold that for me. This is my small group right there. <laughs> and no. You didn't get a mug? Get this woman a mug. Pronto. 
We've got to keep her in the small, my small group. But here's, here's a cool one. Look at this. Just look at this subject. Look at the subject matter. So if you have an unbelieving friend you've been trying to say, hey, I'm starting this deal and I'm going to watch it. You can, it's only like 10 minutes and we can talk for 10 minutes. We'll do it at a break time. We'll do it on Saturday. You know, I'll meet you, Mr. Burger or whatever. Just find that one person. And here it is. It says, here's the first one. What's your why? Why do you exist? That's one people, that is, that is most people's one question. I don't know why I exist. I'm just a plumber. I'm just a housewife. They don't know the purpose of God in their life. It says steps towards success. Uh, one of the ones is the power to press on. One's called do the book, end on a good note. Then there's one called grow. And you can, you can even, and maybe, I don't know, maybe the question might come up, well, how do I give my life to Jesus Christ? And you just lead them in a simple prayer. Then there's one in here called change that last. There's things in their life they're wanting to change. They want to get free from addiction. They're trying to figure out how do I change? This one says the process of change, the pressure of change, the purpose in change, protecting your change. When you change, how do I protect this? So church family, I'm going to tell you, you can start a small group, just host one. Just be a host. Just be, if you, how many have a friend? Oh, Jesus, this is the wrong sermon. They don't even have friends. Oh, Lord, you are toast, man. Just forget it. Just, come on, you got a friend. It might even be a family member. Somebody that's strayed away from the Lord. Someone trying to figure out change. Somebody find I just don't feel like you. How many times say, I don't even know I exist. What do I even exist? Dads, that you even here at the workplace, and they're saying that to some of you brothers. You could start it right there. So you go back there and grab you one. No charge. Did I tell you? No charge. Because we can start building families. Because maturity in the body of Christ doesn't happen by accident. You have to be intentional to put myself in a group where my roots are touching other believers' roots. Maturity does not come with age. Just because somebody has gray hair does not mean they are mature. Maturity only comes with responsibility to connect with each other. So community means maturity. How many say amen, pastor? Yeah, praise God. Here's the last one. I'm coming in for the landing. We're going to be family. We are family. So to belong means community. It means family. It means maturity. And it also means to belong means unity. Unity. Unity is not a decision, everybody. It's an action. It's an action. God does not want us building fences in the body. He wants us to build bridges in the body. The deepest level of fellowship is when we really begin to love fellow believers like family. But with any body, everybody has stuff that it produces that you got to put up with. Aren't you so glad when your little babies, those little bodies, those little humans came into your life, that when they started producing stink, you go, I don't want to put up with this. I don't want to be part of this body. That's foul. Aren't you glad you didn't do that? The body of Christ has to make an action to stay unified even when there can be frustration of conflict. Hmm. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read this from the Amplified, uh, the amplified uh, Version. That means you say it louder. 
Let your love, no, I'm just kidding. It's a, let your love, maybe it does need to be said loud. Let your love be sincere, sincere, a real thing. Not when the stink happens, I bolt. I drop the baby, I wasn't expecting this. Can you believe the, the stink this child is producing? Why don't you just take the baby food from the jar and just dump it right in the diaper and skip the middleman? Can we just do that? Are you following with me? Real love. Love one another with brotherly affection as a member of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Now remember what I said. How many remember my message on harmony? Love, listen, don't confuse it, because love doesn't mean that you don't have conflict, and love doesn't mean that you talk openly and have a robust conversation about something, but you do it in the spirit of truth, and the spirit of genuine brotherly and sisterly love. So that means even when you do it that way, you might not be accepted, and they may even, they may even separate from you for a season. But remember what love is not. Love does not produce tolerance. Go get those notes back out and look at them again. Love does not produce tolerance. Well, all of a sudden, this is love. I'm just going to let you keep doing your sin. I'm just going to keep letting you live that lifestyle and never talk to you about it or talk and find out how did this all happen? What was the journey? Talk to me. Love, love does not produce tolerance. Love produces patience. Don't forget that. Because what love produces when love produces patience, it means that when I have to have the conversation with you, even if you don't change, and even if you dislike me for having the tough conversation, because how many know Jesus was even called the rock of offense? That's what he was called. He loved everybody, but he confronted things in the way Jesus knew it needed to be confronted. Love produces patience that when I've done what I'm supposed to do as a parent, as a leader, I'm not the one to adjust you. The Holy Spirit is the one that adjusts your wife. The Holy Spirit is the one that adjusts your husband. The Holy Spirit is the one that adjusts that believer. The Holy Spirit is the one that has to adjust your employer. After that, the Holy Spirit does the adjustment because I'm not the adjuster. Patience gives me ability to let the adjuster do what he does and to still love you and serve you and brotherly love and still reach out to you. And I don't just say this for the benefit of those of you that have been hanging around with us with this big family for a long time. I say it to the benefit of those of you that may be new to this body. Because you're, you say, I just love this church. I just love this place. I just love Pastor Sam. Give me a second. <laughs> because your chances of being offended in this church is 100%. So I can't believe it. I thought you were such a loving pastor. I can't believe that hurt my feelings. You obviously aren't married. Right? Husbands, wives, 
because you know the chances of your conflict is 100% and there may have been things that you got heated up about, had total disagreement about, how different sides of, but you know what? You're still sitting here loving Jesus, loving your kids, and being patient with one another because one thing I know, friends, our chances of conflict may be 100% and we may not always see eye to eye, but we made a vow to Jesus Christ. We were one body, we were one faith, we were one hope, we were one baptism, and if we don't see eye to eye, we will always walk hand in hand and I will bring my nutrients to minister to you. I'll bring the sunshine of Jesus to minister to you, and even if you don't agree with me, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do the adjusting. I'm just going to keep on being what he's made me to be in Christ Jesus, to be to you, right? Because life is about doing life together, doing it together, loving God and loving each other. How many believe unity is powerful? Belonging, to belong means Unity. One purpose, singleness, singleness, singleness purpose, singleness of purpose, oneness of heart. Singleness of purpose, oneness of heart. Jesus Christ and the mission of what he called us to do. Don't let the enemy distract you from it. Because unity is the greatest weapon against Satan. It is the greatest weapon in the body of Christ against Satan. So if unity is the greatest weapon for the body of Christ when Satan tries to attack, then that must be disunity is the greatest weapon against us. If unity between a husband and wife, even when they disagree, to never turn loose of each other's hands and say, Holy Spirit, you do the adjusting. If, if unity is the greatest weapon to push Satan back in your marriage, then disunity is the greatest weapon against your marriage. They say that horses and donkeys in the wild fight different. That whenever a predator comes against wild horses or wild donkeys, they fight differently. And horses, when they get threatened by a predator, wild horses will turn their heads in toward each other and begin to kick out to the predator. But donkeys, on the other side, will turn their back ends toward each other and start kicking each other. I want a horse church. I don't want a church full of donkeys. Okay, I'm closing, okay? I mean it. Seriously. So in your marriage, are you putting your heads together with the reason of the Holy Spirit, or you turn your back on each other and kicking each other and say, I've got my rights, and you lose your patience. Could it be that way in the job? Could it be that the reason why you've gone through so many jobs could be you've never put your head together to really sit there and have a talk, and when the predator comes, you're not kicking out, you're kicking in. Because unity my friends, is the greatest weapon against Satan in the body of Christ. And I can take you through scripture why it is. I don't have time. Unity is the greatest weapon in a marriage against Satan. So remember, disunity is the greatest weapon against us. Doesn't mean you have to be a doormat and tolerate everything. It means that I can come here in a safe place and speak my heart in love. 
and then I leave the Holy Spirit to do his work. And I may not see eye to eye, but I will never turn loose of your hand. Psalm 133 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in what, everybody? When you use brothers, that means we're family. When you're involved in a small group, that means you're family. Because when you start intentionally do that, even through the frustration, even when the body produces stink, you don't walk away from it. In fact, when you contend for it and make it an action of your life, Psalm 133.3 says, for there, for what, there where, where, where there? In unity. For there, in unity, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. The blessing of God starts coming in ways we never dreamed when we're together. How many thank Jesus? Let the enemy do what he wants. Let him attack what he wants to do. Let him do what he wants. Let him do what he wants. But I know this. Jesus said, wherever two or three of you are gathered together, there he is right there in the center of, in the midst of all of that. I know that the scripture also tells me that Deuteronomy 32, it says that one of us shall put a thousand of flight and two of us shall put 10,000 of flight. I know the scripture tells me in Ecclesiastes that a cord of three strands brought together is not easily broken. How many believe that when we stay together, knit our roots together in Jesus Christ, no weapon formed against us will ever prosper that the enemy can throw at us. Never, 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 never. never. 